Welcome to the Father Jim Willig Gospel Teachings Podcast, presented by Heart to Heart, a Catholic media ministry. Father Jim was a well-known and much-loved diocesan priest from Cincinnati, Ohio. Inspired by God's Word, for many years, Father Jim presented a weekly Bible study on the Sunday Gospels. In 2001, Father Jim went home to the Lord after a battle with cancer, but his recordings and teachings live on to inspire thousands. First, we hear from Father Jim's good friend, Jesuit priest, Father Michael Sparrow, who opens this podcast by proclaiming the gospel reading. Then, Father Jim's illuminating gospel teaching follows. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. One of the scribes came to Jesus and asked him, Which is the first of all the commandments? Jesus replied, The first is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You are right in saying, He is one, and there is no other than he. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, is worth more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered with understanding, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. I'm going to go out on the limb here and say something that I hope would uh, startle you. I believe that there is nothing that is more important for us to hear in our entire life than the gospel we just heard. Nothing. All right, I'm going to say it again because I think it's hard to even absorb that thought that there is absolutely nothing more important for us to hear and learn by heart than this gospel that is the very heart of the entire gospel teaching of Jesus Christ. Because I say that insofar as it seems to be suggested by the very scribe who comes up to Jesus and says, what do we really need to know? What is most important in life? Let me give a little background, as I always try to do, first by explaining who a scribe was. A scribe in the day of Jesus was a religious lawyer. They were probably as well-loved as lawyers are today, I don't know. Because they, it was their job to study the law, the religious laws given, they believe, through Moses to the chosen people of God to interpret them in the many 
uh, different precepts that were numerable. In fact, one scholar uh, studied this and believed there are total of 613 laws that were recorded in the early book of, Pent of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And naturally, you could imagine 613 laws are nearly impossible to remember, much less to follow. Huh? So it was the rule and the responsibility of the scribe to try to convey this teaching. And since this was such a difficult task, they often were tried to discover what could be said in its simplest form for people to understand and follow. And so this question that the scribe raises with Jesus is a question that was very common in the rabbinic school of Christ's time. And that is, which is the first commandment? Of all the 613, tell me what is the most important one? Now this is one of the few times in the gospel you may notice where Jesus answers a question directly and quickly. It's something that was already on his lips, always to say, and you will see why. Jesus replies immediately and clearly, this is the first. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This answer would have surprised no Jew of Jesus' time. He was simply quoting the most familiar text from the book of Deuteronomy that was known to be the very creed of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is Lord alone. Jewish people believed in one God. They were a monotheistic religion. One God, the Lord our God, is Lord alone. This was unlike all the other religious people of their day that were polytheistic. And they formulated this one uh, beautiful, if you will, prayer that was called the Shema prayer. Shema is the Hebrew imperative form of the verb hear. Hear, O Israel, taken from this first sentence of this inscription, or prescription from the uh, book of Deuteronomy. In other words, it's like, Listen up, Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is Lord alone. Therefore, if the Lord is our God, we must love him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Now, it may be interesting to note that this Shema prayer was used uh, commonly in three ways. First, it was the sentence by which every service in the synagogue began. It was how the Jewish people prayed and how every devout Jew would have prayed this exact prayer three times a day, rising and at noon and at night. Much like we would say the Our Father is the Jesus prayer, a certain identity as, uh, as Christians. It's not only what we pray, it's what we really believe. huh? And that is true with Israel. This means everything. It's, it's 
everything in a nutshell, if you will. And so secondly, the Shema was used as in their little uh, phylacteries, which were like prayer tassels. That is to say, they, when the devout Jewish men would pray, they would put on this tiny leather box that was strapped around their forehead. You may have seen these. Just a small black box. And then it's strapped again around their left arm down to the wrist. Because in the same passage of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses tells his people to keep this law of the Lord, this love of the Lord, always on the front of their mind and always ready at hand. Isn't that beautiful? So in the most uh, literal way, when a Jewish man would pray, he would attach this phylactery that contained this explicit passage of the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is Lord alone. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God. In other words, they wanted to be reminded of this call to love always, especially every time they turn to the Lord in prayer. What might we use today? Would be a good question. What are we? What are our prayer symbols and helps to keep us focused on the Lord, and it, that enable us to keep on the front of our mind and always at hand the same love of the Lord, that the Lord asks of us. Thirdly, another common use of the Shema was the mezuzah. Mezuzah is, is a Hebrew word for doorpost. And I'm holding in my hand a little mezuzah. It's a small container of this little uh, scroll. As you can see, uh, I can pull this apart here. This uh, little uh, scroll contains the passage of the Shema prayer. And the Jewish uh, people would attach this mezuzah onto their doorpost and at the on the door doorpost of every room inside their home so that constantly the Jewish man and woman and child would remember God and the need to love the Lord in their coming and in their going. Much like, again, we might do with the placement of statues and pictures of the Lord in our homes. So, you see that this Shema prayer was part of the heart and soul of the faith of every devout Jew. And so it is not at all surprising that Jesus would quote this famous and most fervent prayer, the Shema, when he said, this is the first of all the commandments. And every Jew would have heard him and said, I have to agree. This is truly what we are called to be and to do most importantly in life. But interestingly, Jesus did not stop there, even though the question was, what is the first commandment? All right. And he told him, this is the first to love God. But he said, I cannot stop there with the first. I've got to talk about the second commandment. It's almost as if Jesus said, I can't talk about loving the Lord without adding, the second commandment is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
interestingly, this particular quote is also from uh, the book, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, specifically from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18. But in that text, as I read it this week, it says that you shall love your countrymen and woman as yourself. In other words, the Jewish people interpreted this law to mean you had to love your fellow Jew, but as for a Gentile, go right ahead and treat him as you wish. <laughs> Clearly, Jesus reinterprets this commandment in a new definition of who neighbor is. More than one's countrymen and woman, it's every man and woman. It's a beautiful thing to, to, to realize how Jesus broadened this, this commandment to embrace all of humanity, even, don't forget, ourselves. Don't leave yourself out when it comes to loving. Because as a psychologist once said, unless you love yourself, you won't be able to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whereas a friend of mine said, Jesus, if I love my neighbor as myself, I feel sorry for my neighbor because of the way some of us treat ourselves. We need to care for ourselves. And ironically, the more we really care for ourselves and care for our soul, the more we're able to care for others. Have you noticed? I mean, it's almost a truism to, to see that. And so there's a great teaching there. The point that we can draw from this powerful teaching of Jesus is that these two commandments of loving God and loving our neighbor are really one commandment. They're just two sides of the same coin. And this is what we must do in life. As someone once said, you notice that God gave us commandments and not suggestions. This is a command of Christ. We must love, and not just a little, all right, with our whole heart and soul and mind and strength that represented the whole person, huh? The whole person. So how do we do that? That's the question. You know, so much is said and spoken and sung and written about love, huh? I mean, sometimes we almost have to have more than our fair share of, of words of love. I guess we come right down to it. Don't tell me you love me. Show me. And I like to just ask this question. Who do you think is the most loving person person in the whole wide world who lives love who comes immediately to your mind mother teresa how many of you thought mother teresa every nearly okay nearly everybody here here is a woman who more than anyone i think god has raised up in the world today and said this is what I mean. And God has, has put a spotlight on this humble woman. 
who serves the poorest of the poor, who is, as you know, the founder of the Missionaries of Charity and the recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize, but more so, as, will, as most everybody throughout the world will, will say, she is a living saint who teaches us by her example what this commandment of Christ really means. And I would like to suggest today, teaches us by her, by her example how we too can live this commandment of love. In preparing for this presentation, I spent some time reading one of her simple but beautiful books entitled Loving Jesus. I, w I wish now I had brought it with me, but it's simply a compilation of the many different addresses and talks that she has given throughout the world. And if we were to ask the question, what is Mother Teresa's secret to being such a loving saint? I think her own words answer that question. She says, and I quote from this book, which is her talk to some group somewhere, if you want to be able to love, you must pray. Prayer gives us a pure heart, and a pure heart can see God. And if we see God, immediately God's love works in us. Isn't that beautiful? Can you see the connection here already of why Jesus said the first commandment is to love God and not, not the second commandment, which is to love neighbor? Why he put first things first? Listen even more to what Mother Teresa says. That the greatest prayer is the Eucharist. To make love more alive, Jesus gives us his heart in this blessed sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. She says, no one can give Jesus to anyone if you do not have Jesus first in your own heart. And it is in the Eucharist we receive Jesus in our heart. True to her own words, a woman who surely practices what she preaches, she and her sisters, the missionaries of charity, begin every day with an hour of prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, celebrating the Eucharist and receiving Christ into their heart. And she has taught her sisters, before we can ever give Christ to anyone out on the street, we must first receive Christ inside ourselves. And then, if we recognize Jesus in the consecrated bread and wine, then surely we will more easily recognize him in the holy people of God that we will meet on the street. Hmm? Isn't that beautiful? She says we must begin our lives. She says to be able to do all that we do as missionaries of charity, our lives are centered on prayer and the Eucharist. We begin every day with Mass, Holy Communion, and meditation. And then they take the Lord with them. You see, I, I think it's such a powerful lesson here for us that if you want to love beyond what is our human limitation, 
If you want to love with the divine capacity and intimacy and generosity and humility, then you've got to pray that the heart of Jesus come to you, that you could love divinely. And this is what Mother Teresa does. Anyone who receives so much of the Lord in her, no wonder she's able to do, the Lord is able to do so much through her. Huh? Now, interesting to me, I didn't realize this, but even after their long day of service to the poorest of the poor in the streets, after many of them have put in 10 to 12 hours of most humble service, they then come home and spend another hour in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. She says, because we need to replenish our energy. And that's before dinner. Do you see where they get their nourishment? I mean, is it any surprise? I mean, if we if we did that, we would probably be Mother Teresa's too, you know? I mean, that's the whole point here. That is, all the, when I look at Mother Teresa, I say, now I understand why Jesus said, this is first. This has got to be first in the lessons of love. You've got to love God first because if you love God, then God will be your primary relationship and you will commit yourself to spending time with him, praying to him, and you re will receive so much from him, especially the gift of God, which is love. You'll be so full of God that then you will be able to live the second commandment. But it doesn't work so well in reverse, if you know what I mean. Because we keep coming short against our own limitations then. It's interesting to me, I learned uh, in an, uh, when a, a group of volunteers came to her one day, and she has volunteers from all over the world wanting to help her in their the many services to the dying and the destitute and the lepers and the AIDS victims. They offered to help her, and she said, if you've come simply to serve the poor, God bless you. Go and do that. But you don't need to join me. Go be a social worker. But if you come to love Jesus, then come join me. Because our order is all about loving Jesus and seeing Jesus in everyone we love. Wow, what a powerful message, which is the second point I want to make. I think the secret to Mother Teresa's ministry, and I might add sanctity and spirituality, is the fact that she sees Jesus in everybody, even those in the most distressing disguise, the poorest of the poor. In her own words, she asked the people she's addressing in this one talk, do you recognize Jesus in the disguise of those living in your own family, in your own community? I'll never forget the time Mother Teresa came to this cathedral. It was about 20 years ago. I was still a seminarian. And at the time, it was standing room only. Uh, like a good Catholic, I came a little late, and I stood in the back. And I remember seeing this humble little woman. She's very small. She stood in her white sari 
which is you might know the the robe of the the poorest the poor in in India and she simply said many people come to me expressing great concern for the poor in India where I come from but I have come to this nation and have discovered even a greater poverty I've never experienced a poor people than those who kill their unborn children this is the worst violence that the world has ever known. I've never seen such poverty when I see the breakdown that's happened in the American family. This is 20 years ago she's saying this, you know. Think of what's happened since. And she says, if you want to do something, and so many people come to me and say, oh, Mother Teresa, what can we do? I say, go home. For charity starts at home. Start there and discover Jesus living in your own home. Pray with your families that you can have the love of the Lord alive in all your hearts. Find the one family member who feels unloved, unwelcome, unrespected, or going through a difficult time, and love them and discover the Lord in them. Find the one brother or sister who's been a burden to you and try to be a help to them. See Jesus in them. Well, I have to admit, here I am a preacher. I hardly ever remember sermons more than a year gone by. But I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that message. I think we would do well to take this hint from Mother Teresa to see Christ in everybody in the disguise of one another. And it occurred to me since we're in the season of Halloween these days, and all around us we see people getting their masks and costumes ready. It occurs to me that, you know, I suppose most of us wear a mask most of the time. Some kind of facade, or psychologists call it a persona. We, we project a certain image, and some of these images are scary, if you know what I mean. Some of these in images are beautiful. But the fact remains, whether they're beautiful, whether they're beauty or the beast, huh? there is inside that mask a brother and a sister of Jesus. And in fact, Jesus himself, as he's made all of us in God's image and likeness. huh? Hidden within the costume of our own personality, idiosyncrasies, and craziness is a little bit of the Lord that's longing to come out and to be treated, not tricked, with love and respect. Amen. Thank you for listening to Father Jim's Gospel Teaching. We hope you have been inspired and will subscribe to this weekly podcast and share it with your family and friends. The mission of Heart to Heart is to proclaim the good news of God's Son, Jesus, to the entire world. For more inspirational teachings by Father Jim and Father Michael, visit our website, www.htoh.us. May God bless your heart and the hearts of all your loved ones.